0: So are you in tune with those deeply held emotions that your customers carry around? You'd better be if you want your chance at changing their world. We'll talk about it today on The Buyer's Mind. Welcome
1: to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customers decision making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shore.
0: Well, greetings, everyone. And once again, welcome to The Buyer's Mind. I am your host, Jeff Shore. And this is the podcast where we try to investigate just what's going on in the minds of the customers who are thinking about purchasing a home. And we've got somebody on the show today who really understands that uh, big time. I think you're going to really, really enjoy the conversation. It's fascinating. And, you know, one of the things that I'm always looking at is, is trying to get a sense of how emotional a purchase decision is. And the problem is I never really know uh, because when I try and test myself, I don't know my own emotions. And that's really true. We think we know our emotions, but we don't know our emotions uh, as much as we think we do. So this is a problem right from the very beginning. Uh, I'm joined as always by our show producer, uh, Paul Murphy. Uh, Murphy, you know, when you're out there buying, even if it's a very uh, technical product for you, you're looking at audio, video, equipment or camera or whatever it is, do you even think that your emotion is playing a part in the conversation?
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm completely logical uh, when I'm buying. Now, you get your hands on it, you get excited. <laughs> you, are you Dr.
0: Spock or, or you're, you're Mr. Spock? Is that who you are then? Uh, 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 all logic, no emotion. You know, it's a new
1: toy, uh, and you're just mm-hmm. excited to start playing with it, especially in the tech world. It's always something really, really cool. So, yeah, you get excited about right. what you're going to do.
0: Well, and I'm glad you can appreciate that. And uh, Look, I, I know me. I'm probably, I'm probably a, a more emotionally, Expressive than the average person. I, I could be wrong in that. It's hard to measure, but but I know for me, when I'm in that uh, buying mind, when I'm thinking about purchase something, I recognize there is something that's going on in my gut, and it's welling up. And uh, the the problem then is, of course, it it's easy for me to just sort of lose control. But here's the deal: if I'm really juiced up about buying something, I mean, if I really want to buy it, if I'm really excited, it's good for me. I think I appreciate what I buy, what I spend. Spend my money on more because of the emotion. And if I was one of those people that needed to go find every fact and every figure, I probably wouldn't appreciate the product very much by the time that I was done. So I am of the opinion that our emotions uh, actually serve us well. They validate uh, exactly what it is that we're trying to do. And that's what we're going to get into today as we talk to Mary Kay O'Brien from the Zillow Group. Her job is to really get dive deep and understand what the emotional experience of customers are. Now, in this case, Mary Kay is going to look at it from the perspective, because she's with the Zillow Group, she's going to look at it from the perspective of uh, somebody who's thinking about buying a home. But the reality is, we could apply it to any industry. It doesn't matter what you sell. You've really got to understand the way that our customers make emotion-based decisions. So let's get into that today with Mary Kay O'Brien. Well, our guest today, uh, Mary Kay O'Brien. Mary Kay is the director of consumer insights at Zillow, a company I know you're all very familiar with. She's a founding member of that insights team, and she has over thirty years of experience in in helping companies to create these holistic views of their customers and their brands. Which, quite frankly, I think more companies uh, need to approach their customers that way. Uh, but they use a lot of different research techniques in order to make uh, decision making and innovation decisions. Uh, for all aspects of the business. Uh, she's a really, really interesting person who is uh, scary smart, uh, but uh, I've always enjoyed talking to her. Please welcome Mary Kay O'Brien. Mary Kay, how are you today? Hi,
2: Jeff. I'm great. Thanks for
0: having me on. I've been looking oh. forward to this. Oh, we'll have some fun. Give us <laughs> the uh, the cocktail party version of what do you do? If you were to say to somebody, well, I'm the director of consumer insights at Zillow, they may not fully understand exactly what that means. So what's the, if somebody said, what do you do? How How do you describe that?
2: I think the way I would best describe it is I take all of our great research that we conduct, both through our consumer insights team, as well as our econ team. And I try to figure out ways to package that and tell stories so that we can share it externally with everybody else.
0: I love it. I love it. And then that gives you the opportunity to uh, ultimately make decisions that aren't going to be just on the whim. Or uh, it, it, my guess is with your research background and your academic background, that it probably drives you just a little crazy when any exec- executive starts a sentence with the words, well, I think uh, <laughs> you're, you're you're a researcher, I think doesn't probably uh, rub you the right way. I'm, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What are you thinking? <laughs>
2: No, no, you are exactly right. And I think that's one of the reasons, too, that I was drawn to a company like Zillow, is that we don't start conversations that way. Instead, the conversation is started with, well, what would Beth think? Beth is who we refer to as the buyer. And mm-hmm. we do develop personas around our buyers and our sellers and our renters. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's it's them that starts the conversation, not us.
0: There are times when I uh, suggest to my clients that it would be a really good idea to have an extra chair in their conference room and just constantly remind themselves and and allow other people to draw attention to say, what if our customer were sitting in that chair right here? Would we be talking this way? Would we be making the same decision what would we be asking our customer at that time? And I think this is a real issue where we tend to make decisions based on our, on our gut, on our instinct, on whatever you want to call it, without really asking ourselves the question, what would the customer say if the customer were in the room right now?
2: No, that, that's very, very true. And, and again, I, I think it is those companies that ask the question and lead with the customer that are going to be the most successful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, l- I want to talk about your area of expertise over your career as you've uh, deeply studied uh, the, the psychology of your customers, what's going on in their brain. And I want to start by looking at uh, the discussion of uh, consumer confidence. We all know that consumer confidence is important. Um, and, in fact, we have broad macroeconomic measures to try and rate consumer confidence. And and, and companies make big decisions based on consumer uh, confidence. But your job is to look at that more on a one-by-one deal. Uh, how important is that confidence? Do we overrate it? Do we underappreciate it? How important is consumer confidence, in your opinion? Well, I think it's a
2: paramount powerful and we probably do underestimate or underrate just how important it is because really what consumer confidence is is trust in you, trust in you and your product that you're going to provide. And ultimately what that comes back to is the way you make a customer feel, those emotions. And we know that we can say that, no, this is what I'm going to do and this is what's most important to me. But in the end it's your emotions that rule and it's the emotions of your customer that are ultimately going to drive their final decision making
0: when we talk about confidence Mary Kay uh, let's we have to have confidence as sales professionals in what it is that we do it's the confidence that I carry in my product and the value of my product in and in the chance that uh, that it's going to solve my customers' needs does that confidence get adopted by the customer? Do they sort of sense that confidence that a salesperson has or the lack of confidence that a salesperson has, and then does it then affect their own sense of confidence?
2: I think they will definitely sense that confidence or lack thereof. But it's not so much just, you know, you you encounter somebody and you just feel that, oh, they seem very confident, but it's the way they talk about their product that displays that confidence. And by that, I mean that, again, that salesperson isn't just telling you the facts. Mm -hmm. Instead, they're taking that next extra step to make you as a customer understand that, first and foremost, they do understand your needs, but that they can also integrate that with their product and let you know how their product is going to ultimately meet their needs. And do that, and when you can do that and do it in a genuine way, not just, you know, reading from your sales book, that's when you can start to really create that confidence in your customer that you know what you're talking about and you're going to help them ultimately meet their needs in a new home.
0: I know that you and I share uh, the the affection for the research that's been done in the area of emotion and the role that uh, emotion plays. And in fact, it's uh, at times perhaps a little bit trying because, you know, I, I believe very, very strongly. I think that the research backs it up that the customer is dominantly an emotional creature. Uh, and yet sometimes we see companies that don't want to approach uh, in, in an emotional vein, or the very sales presentation is based on uh, facts, figures, features, benefit, logic, data analysis, whatever it is. So we've got a, a, a we're at loggerheads right from the very beginning and the way we want to sell from the way that somebody wants to buy. But what I'm looking at specifically is to answer the question, especially for frontline salespeople, if customers truly are making emotion-based decisions, then why do the customers themselves slant the argument so much in the favor of logic. That is to say, you're going to have a customer who's going to come in and they're going to be asking a lot of technical questions, even though ultimately the decision is going to be based uh, very much in the gut.
2: I think in all honesty, it's because the customer doesn't even realize that's how they're making their decision. You know, I, I think we have all underestimated, and it's really with the recent research that has come out, where there is a very, very strong focus on measuring not just system two or this logical type of response that consumers have, but system one responses. And these are the emotional responses that people have. And even us as consumers, we're not aware just how strong that emotional response is until the very, very end. We will go in and we will say, no, I, this is exactly what I'm looking for. But you know what? Bottom line, the home you buy is going to be driven by your emotions. And I think about the first home I purchased where I had my entire layout of criteria I needed in that home. I walked into this home. I saw this archway. And I was like, this is my house. And, well, but it doesn't have X, Y, and Z that was on your list that you absolutely must have. And it's like, I don't care. This is the house that's going to meet my needs because there was something about that archway that literally spoke to me on an emotional level. So even our own consumers and customers don't understand that bottom line, that is how we're going to make our final decision.
0: You said first of all, I I find that really interesting. Uh, All you have to do is watch one episode of House Hunters, and you'll see that come true. Because I guarantee you that the house that they buy at the end of the show is nothing like what they described uh, at the beginning of the show. Because they always described it based on facts and figures, bedroom count, square footage, price point, whatever it is. But then they made the decision based on how they felt when they uh, walked through the door. You said something really interesting, though. You you were talking about how we measure the the emotional responses in system one so you're getting now into this idea of dual process theory and and the brain looks at it from the logical not the logical but the conscious part of the thinking in system two that system one is it's much more in the gut it's emotion based but it's non-conscious how do you measure the non-conscious it's difficult
2: i'm going to admit that it's very very difficult um, a lot of it, in all honesty, you have to first go out and do a lot of qualitative research to really uncover what are those emotions and and kind of more softer things that people are talking about. And then in terms of measuring it, it's really done kind of two ways. Um, the most, uh, I guess, scientifically rigorous way is you literally do hook people up to electromagnetic sensors, you put uh, eye goggles on them so you can track their eye movement so that you can see literally what is happening behind the scenes when people are responding to stimuli or looking at a particular house. Um, You can also, and this has been very effective in the market research world, but basically take those emotions that you've uncovered and there are ways to quantitatively measure them. It's usually done looking at a series of attitudinal statements and which statement do you most closely associate yourself with, but there are definitely ways to, to measure that emotion. I will just mention though that I, I think what's most important is to actually measure the impact of what happens after you start to address those emotions. So, and, and that is a simple test, you know, you approach one group of customers without the recognition of the emotion that's behind all of that data. Or you do, and I guarantee you, again, that if, if you do that, you will find that you're much, it's much easier to develop that relationship with your customer and ultimately be successful with that customer on both sides, not just you're, you're selling them a home, but they're getting the home that's going to meet their needs if you take into account what the emotional drivers are behind what is logically coming out of their mouth.
0: Uh, you know, it's really interesting because this is something that I've been teaching for years, the idea that people do not, uh, uh, they're not motivated by their dissatisfaction. They're motivated motivated by the emotional response to their dissatisfaction. They're not motivated by the future promise of what their life could look like. They're motivated by the emotional aspects of that future promise. And that's what you're, it sounds like what you're talking about right here. And I do find it just interesting to, uh, very interesting to see how now we, we can see researchers can see even physical tells uh, that give us a clue to the emotion. I was just watching a video on this recently about seeing uh, about measuring uh, the dilation of the eyes in times of stress and uh, yeah. and how stress causes the eyes to dilate. And you know, I I think as human beings we probably. Notice that, but don't notice it. Like we know there's something going on there, but we don't know what it is. Uh, But uh, now science is giving us a peek behind the curtain, which means it's kind of cool to be you to be able to study this stuff for a living. (laughs) I agree. We're talking to to Mary Kay O'Brien at uh, Zillow. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, you, your your role here is in uh, consumer insights, and one of the the insights that we look at, and I know that you certainly look at in the real estate business, is the home buying process. is of v- It's obviously emotionally driven. It's a very emotional time. It's also a very very stressful time. We know that people are going to move forward because something in their life needs to be fixed. We know that they're going to move towards something that offers them a better future. But we also know that there are hindrances that are standing in the way, right? There are, there are um, inhibitors that are preventing them from moving forward, and one of those inhibitors is fear. And, of course, it takes its form in many different ways. What do you believe are some of the most pronounced fears that you see in the uh, selection process?
2: I think the global fear in the buying process is fear of making the wrong decision buying the wrong home, maybe it ends up not having the amount of space you're going to need for your growing family. Maybe you thought that a three-level home was just going to be perfect, but then you realize, ah, I've got knee problems. Or maybe you're afraid that you're not going to be able to actually afford it, but it's really fear of making the wrong decision. I'm going to purchase the wrong home. I'm going to get maybe the right home, but in the wrong neighborhood, or I'm not going to be able, I'm going to choose the wrong type of loan and maybe get myself in financial difficulty. But bottom line is fear of making a bad choice.
0: So so this would explain uh, those customers who, whether it's homes, cars, anything, life insurance policy, it doesn't really matter, this would ex- explain the longer buying cycle and those customers who just get frozen into what it is uh, that they're doing and we we've actually done some research here with the idea that the longer someone stays in the process without making a decision the less likely it is that they're going to buy because they become unmoored from the initial emotional impulse and get uh, hung up on all of the data all the, they start asking all of these detailed logic-based questions and at that point they're so far away from their emotion they're probably not going to buy in the first place. Do you agree with that premise?
2: Oh, I totally agree with that. And, and, and yeah, I think you, like you said, only watch house hunters or something like that. And <laughs> and you do see that playing out.
0: That fear of making the wrong decision. How, how do you conquer that? If you're a sales professional, I mean, that's a real fear. That's legitimate. I can't fault a customer for feeling that way. So if you're a sales professional, how do you help somebody to deal with that very real concern.
2: I think it's trying to uncover what are the emotions behind that. So as you mentioned, they are going to come to you and they're going to say, I need so many uh, square feet of of storage. I want a master on main, you know, they're going to have this list of criteria as every buyer does. This is what I want in my ideal home. Don't just take that at face value. Start to understand and probe as to why. Why do they think they need a master on name? Why do they think they need that amount of storage space? Because then you'll start to uncover what are those emotional drivers behind their logical response.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's then that you can, if, if you can understand where your customer is emotionally and talk, To those emotions, you're going to be able to help them through this incredibly stressful process. And and let's face it, the stress you go under in buying a home, it just adds to all of the other stressors and just increases your level of fear even more.
0: One of the things that I find interesting is that um, if you're it, based on what you're talking about right here, it means that we have to connect with the emotion of the customer. We cannot think that we're going to have a logic, data, analytical uh, conversation and believe that we'll be able to extrapolate the emotion from it, and yet there are many salespeople who are concerned that they don't quite have the permission to be able to ask questions that would elicit those emotions. And while I understand that concern, especially right up front, you know it's very difficult to uh, get somebody to open up about something that's deeply personal. I understand that. Uh, And yet that's exactly what the customer needs. They need to be able to share that and they need to have almost have permission to be emotionally expressive. And my concern is that oftentimes salespeople simply do not give them that emotion because it's the salespeople themselves that are taking it down that fact based, logical, analytical, just the facts, ma'am type of approach. Your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I think you're probably right. I mean, but that's again how we're taught as salespeople is give them the facts, let mm-hmm. them know what the ultimate benefit is of your product. Um, but it's it's very well, in all honesty, it's it's kind of easy to uncover those emotions because it's really just one word, one question that you have to ask. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm -hmm. why is that important to you why are you looking for that and without asking anything else except why you're going to start to uncover people will tell you well the reason that storage is so important to me is i'm a hoarder and i even have my thesis materials from, I'm not going to tell you how many years ago. Mm-hmm, so it mm-hmm. is very important to me. But you, now you understand that, ooh, this person, you know, this, this is the emotion that's driving this. Is they want to hold on to everything. So then how can you maybe incorporate that emotion or at least address that emotion in other aspects of, of the home and what, what it is you're talking about?
0: Uh, completely, and the thing that's interesting about that is that that why question—it's not an invasive question; it's a it's a curiosity well, question, uh, but it certainly does lead uh, uh, in into that. Uh, we're we're just about out of time. L- let me ask you: what's the what's the funnest part of your job? I know "funnest" is not a word, but it should be. So I'm going to keep using it. What's the what's the funnest part of your job?
2: Things like this. Honestly, (laughs) the funnest part of my job is talking to people about what it is we know about the consumer and helping them figure out how they can take that knowledge and incorporate it into their own life, their own business. That is truly the funnest part of my job.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. And thank you for indulging me with the uh, grammatically incorrect question. Uh, All right. So uh, as tradition here on The Buyer's Mind, before we let you go, we're going to put you on the hot seat rapid fire questions rapid fire answers you ready sure your very first job was what
2: I was a car hop at the ANW roof Air stand
0: <laughs> I love it I love it I love it that's awesome uh, an album from your youth that you listen to over and over again
2: uh U2's Joshua Tree.
0: oh yeah can't argue there uh the <laughs> most beautiful the most beautiful place you've ever stood.
2: I would have to say, in my backyard, out on the (laughs) Olympic Peninsula.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, Any book that you've read that's made a profound impact on your life?
2: Well, I recently read a book by a former colleague of mine um, when I was at Ipsos called The Achiever Fever Cure. Her name is Claire Booth. And that did make a profound difference on my life. It helped me to understand Claire. And it helped me to understand myself and my own drives a little bit more.
0: Love it. Uh, A movie you've seen multiple times, but you can't help it. You have to watch it when it comes on.
2: Well, you know, I'm not much of a movie watcher, but um, I did see The Great Gatsby more than once. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I would watch it again. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. And finally, uh, the name of your very first celebrity crush.
2: My very first celebrity crush. Oh, it was probably Davy Jones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, subscriber to Tiger Beat Magazine, were you? All right. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> that's fantastic uh she is mary kay o'brien she is the director of consumer insights insights at uh, zillow and uh, just a fantastic conversation mary kay thanks so much for being on the buyer's mind well thank
2: you so much for having me Jeff. it was
0: great fun well once again murph just mind-blowing but really really cool stuff to listen to some of the things that mary kay had to say did you enjoy that very insightful. You know, uh, you wouldn't think
1: that uh, some place like the Zillow Group would be interested in that kind of research, but obviously, very important to them.
0: Well, you listen, when you look at it, uh, it's there's an argument to be made that buying a home is the m- most emotional thing or emotion-based thing that you're ever going to do, because it's so multifaceted. On the one hand, there's the idea of the American dream, something I've been thinking about doing for a very, very long time. And then there's all of the media attention that homes get. There are entire television stations dedicated uh, just to the idea of home. And then there's the memory that you're bringing in and the nostalgia of the home that you uh, uh, grew up with. And and now let's label label on top of that, the negative emotions of fear and fear of missing out and fear of making a mistake and all of these things that we're going to carry in. Uh, You get the sense that somebody who's buying a home is pretty much an emotional wreck by the time they're done, don't you? I've been that emotional wreck. (laughs) I've I've bought several homes. Uh,
1: But yeah, no, you totally get it. I do.
0: I do think that the concept that we do tend to underestimate underrate and therefore underappreciate how important our customers confidence is Uh, that that really rang true to me and i look at it from the perspective that that confidence is itself a feeling or if you will that confidence is an emotion it's adoptable but as mary kay said and i thought this was really interesting that that adoptiveness, if you will, of confidence is really based not on the salesperson's knowledge, but based on the salesperson's display of emotion. It's not, can I share with you every fact and figure? Now, it's important that we have that, that we're knowledgeable about what it is that we're selling and what our customer needs, but it is that endorsement. And uh, Murph, I saw this happen. I was at dinner, at a business dinner uh, with a group of people in Las Vegas uh, just a couple of days ago, and I wasn't sure what I was going to order. It was a big menu. So, I pointed to... I want your opinion on them, this, Murph. I want you, want you to know, I, I want to know what you think about this. So I looked at the waiter and I said, listen, I'm torn between two things. I'm not really sure what I want to do. I'm torn between, and I know they're very different items, but I'm torn between this and this. And I pointed to the uh, two items. And they, this is what the waiter said Oh, I can make this very easy. I will not allow you to order that second option. OK, because the first option is so good. It is so good. Uh, I'm not going to let you order the second one. You're getting the first one. All right, Murphy. how are you feeling if a waiter says something like that to you? I'm sold
1: uh, instantly. I'm sold. <laughs> uh, obviously, he's been there. He knows. And uh, he's looking out for my best interest
0: right? Yeah. Well, listen, if I knew what I was going to get, I would have just ordered it and he would have said, excellent choice. But because I asked him for his opinion anyway, then I was giving him permission to show his emotion. But you know what happens when sometimes you ask somebody, so, you know, how's the, how's the, how's the chicken sandwich? And then you have a food server will say, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's a popular dish. A lot of people order it. And that's not what I asked. And it does not exude confidence uh, that I easily want to adopt. So there's that idea that that confidence is based on the emotion of the salesperson more than the knowledge or the facts and figures that can be spewed spewed out. So if you're a salesperson, you want to look at it from that perspective. It's not just that I can share with you a lot of information about uh, the uh, product that I'm selling. It's that I feel strongly about it and you see that emotion uh, from that. The other thing that I thought was really fascinating here was the conversation about how we look at the emotional responses, how we even measure the emotional responses. But what Mary Kay said, and I think this is something that's got to be a huge, huge takeaway, far more important than the emotion is the impact of the emotion. People do not buy because they are dissatisfied with what they have now. They buy because of the emotion behind that dissatisfaction. They buy because of those moments that go, oh, this is driving me crazy. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, why does this have to be that? that's what they that's what motivates them to look in the first place and people don't buy because of the features they don't buy because of the 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 uh, the things that are included and not included they buy because of the emotion they buy because deep down they're saying I want that I this is what I want for my life so as long as we're staying on the logic on the uh, uh, analytics on the the list of things that you get or don't get that, that's not the way that people want to buy It's the impact of the emotion that drives everything. And when we do that right, you know what we do? We build that emotion so strongly that then when we do deal with that number one fear, as Mary Kay pointed out, that fear of making the wrong decision, when we've built up that emotional strength to say, this is why I don't want to stay where I'm at. This is why I love what you are showing me right here. Then those two things collectively trump The fear doesn't mean that the fear isn't still there, but all we have to do is come over the top of that fear with the emotion that is based on what's wrong with my life right now and what right could look like. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And I just want to encourage you, if you're a salesperson, do not be afraid to dig for the why to try and figure out not just. What somebody wants, but why they want it. Not just to know that somebody is dissatisfied, but why they are dissatisfied. When I can get into the why, talk to me, tell me more. Why is that the case? That's where the magic happens. It's not the memorized lines that you learned at a training seminar somewhere. It's the curiosity to, so you can understand the deeper levels behind your customers' motivations, behind their pain, behind their promise. This is where wonderful things happen. This is where you understand your customer, and this is where you change their world. We'll talk to you next time on The Buyer's Mind.